Welcome to the Reformist Pipeline, your dose of empowerment and the pipeline to inform your decisions on how you can support change in our education system. This is Lindsay, affectionately known as Miss Black. And I'm Hadi Had, Mr. Broussard. If you're feeling, Lindsay, I need you to fill in the blank. You ready? Okay. <laughs> no, but yes. Summer, summer, summertime. Hey, yeah. Summer, summer, summertime. Is that what okay. I was supposed to? Nope, didn't work. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was like, I thought it was, sit, let's, let's just sit back there. Let's just sit you, back and unwind, think, right? No? You think I know the words to that song? I really did. You're like a, a lyrical jukebox. Like, you know all Not the that one, baby. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. It's Ooh, all right. I ruined the moment. Okay. <laughs> starting off strong. Smooth transition. <laughs> if you haven't already, which you probably wouldn't have because you're trying to figure out why we, this is such a disaster, but please take out your phone. And follow us on Instagram. If you don't already, you can reach, you can follow us at The Reformance Pipeline. And while the phone is out, and maybe you've already followed us, go ahead, send our page to someone you think that could benefit from this information because a lot of hard work goes into this. We want to make sure everybody's seeing it. And as you know, our YouTube page is live, y'all. So make sure you go and subscribe and share it with everybody that you know. For more details on how you can remain engaged with our content, visit our website at thereformancepipeline.com. We are going to go ahead and reestablish our objective. This is actually the last episode of semester one of our two-part season. So if you're listening to this right now, we really appreciate y'all holding it down and being consistent listeners. And we hope that our information has sparked conversation in your daily life. We will pick up back up in like mid-August with some brand new content. Our focus has been on envisioning the ideal school. And we are going to seal the deal today with the deep conversation with our beloved fathers to honor Father's Day that just passed. I'm excited because I actually cannot recall having a deep conversation about education in my dad's vision of an ideal school. So I feel like it's going to be a really reflective process for, the, for us. But before we even dig deep into that, let's catch up. It's June, y'all. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The last day of school, well, last day of teaching, because technically I'm still on the clock. Um, The last day of teaching was June 11th. Um, This is my fifth year teaching. Like, I've taught for five years. I told my mom that. She's like, wow. I'm like, yeah, girl, I'm groomed. Okay. I remember being a first year teacher at Jahide, and you know, everybody like went around and said their name in that damn room. And somebody <laughs> said five years. I was like, damn. I'm like, I'm gonna get there one day. And here the fuck I am. Here you are. Five years in the game, three schools down, shoot, two different contents. Second, wait, third, fourth. How many six, grades? Seven. Seven, no, that's six. Can't even count. Six different grades taught <laughs> countless, countless interactions where I hope that I've changed lives because I know that my life is, was changed or my thought processes were changed. I know that I, I'm at the state of emotional intelligence because I'm a teacher, because I have to be. Um, and I got a really nice uh, message from one of my students this year. And it was one of, it was very heartfelt and she, she went back and like reflected on a very specific moment that, you know, I made her feel like she mattered and she was loved. And this is virtual, y'all. And she's like, even though I wasn't the ideal student, you sure wasn't, girl. 
she only wasn't ideal because she didn't come to class all the time. That's it. But when she got there, I'm just like, you're at, you're pretty ideal because you're in this space where I feel like I'm teaching you because you don't know everything, right? Right. Um, but you're susceptible to it. And I was telling my mom about that, and she made a joke. She's like, oh, doesn't that make it all worth it? And I'm like, as nice as that no was, it doesn't. Um, this year is very hellish. I only haven't acknowledged it on Instagram and social media because I'm like, how do I how do I sum this up? Like, I was supposed to be going to I was supposed to be in go to Columbia, right? I was supposed to be part of this this summer teacher summer like admin program. Had to not do that because they wouldn't shift their prices for like virtual. But I was supposed to be graduating from Columbia next year. Had to defer that little dream. Then I finally decided came to terms that I don't even want to be like in a traditional school leader. Right. Summer came around, you know, I decided to do summer school. Fast forward a little bit, I had an immediate family member who was hospitalized for weeks due to COVID. And then a couple months later, I my grandmother passes away and I take two weeks off of school. Like these things are unprecedented. And on top of that, in between those two things, I had a major racial issue at my school, and now I just have no trust in them in their process to be anti-racist because things have been so traumatizing. Okay. So I'm gonna keep sitting down and reflecting with that, but I mean, I could go into every other year too, but you know, we gonna see, we gonna keep it going. Um, there's light on the end of the, end of the tunnel. Um, I'm traveling this time, y'all. I'm going to Hawaii to Honolulu. And there's a light. There's the light right there. I'll be there. <laughs> family vape came. Me and my family is lit. If you know my brother, he bowed about it. If you know my mom, right hand girl, okay? That's my girl. Then we go on to New Orleans for eight days. That's my my hometown. That's not my hometown. Okay. And then Vegas. Mind you, these all these are planned by my mother. I didn't have any hand in doing so. I'm like, that's how it's supposed to be. So yes. I'm just, I'm, I'm excited to decompress and live because my summer is pretty short this year. No, but I, I'm definitely excited for you. Um, I didn't realize that you were going to be doing all of this traveling, but this is, you're, you're back to the Mama Lens. This is what Mama Lens does, okay? It's Mama Lens is on planes every single weekend, okay? Love it, love it, love it. So yeah, so to jump into my updates, I am super excited to be reading this book called The Art of Coaching. Um, for those of you that don't know, Something that I'm always trying to do is further myself in my educational journey, whatever that may look like. Um, yes. And so with one of the groups that I'm working with, we're all reading this book and super excited for Lynn to be joining us tomorrow Ooh, yeah. um, to read this book. And I'm, I think I'm more so excited because I want to kind of reflect on the coaching that I did and did not receive as a teacher. Um, as an educator and, and just thinking more so about like what ways can um, I kind of create to make sure that the first year educator doesn't go through what I experienced as a teacher um, because you and I both know that that was not it at all. Um, so so while I, and, and one of the best parts about reading this book so far has been it's kind of regrounded me in understanding um, what kind of my vision for teaching is based off of like that like value alignment with like identifying words actual words that mm. are tied to me mm. and specifically like I, I remember and I know that we talk about like why like why we teach 
But I think that this is something that I've been very passionate about is trying to figure out ways that educators can find themselves in the classroom um, and, and what the classroom means to them more, more broadly. And that's outside of what the school's mission, what the school's vision and the school's purpose is. Yes. Um, because I feel like that's how you actually connect to your students. Um, so yeah, so all that to say, super excited to be reading that. We'll be talking about that tomorrow. What's up? Because even in that book, she I can't remember if it's chapter two or chapter three, she talks about like just you being a human and yes. like people needing to know themselves and needing to have emotional intelligence to really do this job. And all that is what you said. You have to find the things that align you as an individual, as a person with it. Yes. And and I think just uh, you mentioned race being uh, a situation that you've been uh, experiencing at the current school that you're at. And it was crazy to me to see how she spoke about race in yep. chapter one. And she spoke about one race isn't something that's going to be easy. Um, there's also no right way to have race conversations. And lastly, we have to do it anyway. And I <laughs> right. like that. I like the way that she approached it because it's like these are things that need to be done. And in those moments, you're going to be uncomfortable, but like that's a part of the process. And that's the fact it. that the conversation isn't happening is the issue. So like to say that you don't have that trust in your administration just speaks volumes because I'm certain that this is probably a book that they've read, um, just given um, yes. the, the types of things that happen in DC and DC school specifically. But here we are. So, but on to bigger and better things. I'm gonna be okay. traveling again. Also, I just got back from Atlanta and Chicago all in one weekend. That was amazing. Um, we'll definitely be back in ATL for the 4th of July weekend. Um, and then I leave to New York at the end of this week. So I'm just super excited. I'm really excited. I feel like I've been living up to like my, my year, my goal for this year, which one of them was self-confidence and the other is uh, just traveling. So I've been doing the damn thing and yes. um, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Beautiful. So hello, Father. Welcome to the Reformist Pipeline. So happy to have you. If you would not mind, I'd love for you to go ahead and introduce yourself. My name is Greg Broussard. Uh, yes, and I, I would love for, so in addition to your name, uh, how many kids do you have? Um, where are you from? Where'd you grow up at? All that good stuff. You already know all of that. But well, anyways, Reformist yes, Pipeline family. Yes. Greg Broussard, I have two boys, uh, two beautiful sons, uh, one 27. My youngest is 23. Uh, glad to have two young men. And where'd you grow up at, Dad? Where are you I from? grew up in Inglewood, California. Uh, we were the second Blacks in that community in 1968. And uh, just for context, as far as your education journey, where did you go to elementary school, middle school, and high school? Um, and we'll oh. get into the rest later. Elementary school, uh, I was uh, Warren Lane. It was approximately, we walked to school, which a lot of kids don't do these days. Uh, and it was an adventure and it was a learning. Um, middle school, I went to Monroe, Albert Monroe Junior High School. That's in Inglewood, California. And high school, I went to Bourbon Day High School. It's a Catholic school in Watts, if uh, you're familiar with uh, California. 
Watts riots and all of that. So I, I had a, a good understanding of the struggles of our people. And last but not least, you said Monroe. Where did you, who did you meet at Monroe Middle School? <laughs> oh, just walked me into it. Uh, I met my beautiful wife of 33 years. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, okay, and so we're going to jump straight in. Happy Father's Day. So this episode is going to be coming out on Father's Day weekend or the Monday following Father's Day. So just want to say happy Father's Day and kick it off by saying that as our listeners know, uh, we already did kick off our Mother's Day episode, which was in May. And so now it was just only fitting to do um, a Father's Day episode in which I'm interviewing you and Lindsay will interview her father. And so as a parent, how involved were you with my education journey? Uh, deeply involved, uh, daily, daily, uh, observations of homework, uh, encouraging and reassuring, uh, the projects that was at hand. Uh, of course, it, when you're going through it, you're the person going through it. Uh, it's kind of a tough journey and you have to set curriculums and you have to set behaviors. Uh, so it was very important to me to instill that at a young age, um, to uh, build on the future. If you start off bad, it's gonna be tough the whole journey of 12 years. Uh, so it was important to me to uh, keep, keep my young ones engaged and learning, learn something new every day. Yes, and so now I am wondering if you can let the listeners know what was the reason as to why um, we moved from the from LA to the Inland Empire. Uh, what was your kind of goal in that? Because I know that we definitely spoke about that a lot when I was growing up, as well as when I kind of got to college. Um, kind of the reason as to why you wanted me to to go to or and be a part of the Edwanda School District, so on and so forth. So, if you could kind of walk our listeners through what you were thinking with that decision process. Um, and that, I think that that would be helpful. Sure. Uh, first of all, we migrated to uh, a city called Fontana. It's approximately 45 miles uh, out of LA. It's a suburb of LA. Uh, the whole goal was to, first of all, get my kids in a better environment. Uh, the environment, uh, Darwin's theory is your creation of your environment. So I wanted to put my kids in a position where they seen people prospering, not only struggling, but also struggling and prospering. So I wanted them to see two sides of the railroad track in, in essence. So uh, we ventured out, uh, we moved out to Fontana. I chose the Fontana School District because when we were looking to uh, transition from LA, uh, we did an investigation to find out which area would be good and the Etiwanda School District was one of the top uh, districts in California. So we chose that area. And so dad, as far as the, like what were, what were you basing your decision off of? And I think I'm more so wondering this answer because this was back when I would say that internet wasn't really, like it was probably at the beginning of that type of journey. So like how, like what was the process like? Was it phone calls that you were doing? Was there websites and things that you could have access to? It wasn't like the, the things were as readily available as they are now. So what, what did that look like? Uh, again, it goes back to a realtor. 
you have to have a good real estate agent. Uh, as the uh, process of going through looking for properties, uh, I identified some of the criteria that we wanted, not only in the house, but also the school districts and the crime rate and, you know, all of those variables that goes into a place that you're going to, you know, start developing your family and probably going to be there for 20 to 30, 30, 40 years. So I based all of that on that and uh, asked questions, a lot of questions. And to your point, uh, the Internet was not uh, as robust as it is today. But uh, we used our, our technology far as, you know, the old old fashioned way of making calls, asking questions on the streets, visiting the area, visiting the communities uh, and just asking a lot of questions. That's very helpful, because I think that that's something that I had just thought about just now about like the fact that because I remember when we moved into um, when we first moved into the house that we lived in in Montana. I remember the dial-up internet and all that good stuff and like how it was something that was still up and coming. Um, it wasn't the at nearly as speedy as it is today. Um, so yeah, so that's very helpful to kind of know that you had to reach out to not only word of mouth, but that the realtor, it was extremely, like we, are, we as people were probably a lot more dependent on realtors back then than we are now um, to kind of know what the landscape looked like in the area for not only schools, but grocery stores and community development as far as like how much um, the properties would be worth in X amount of years. So that's probably a, all of those things is probably what went into making the decision of um, what school and what area we were going to move to from LA. So that's very helpful. And so what's one thing that you appreciated about um, my school journey, specifically the school? So like um, whether it was the elementary or my elementary school, my middle school or high school, what was one of, one thing that stuck out to you the most that you appreciated? Uh, employee, uh, it's employee engagement. Uh, it's going back to work. Not employee engagement. It's more of getting the student engaged. Every student is not an athlete. Uh, the, the schools that they had, they went to or attended, uh, they had several programs that uh, they can involve themselves in. Um, not only just basketball, volleyball, or whatever. You didn't have to be an athlete. You can still be looked at on campus if you wanted to be yearbook or, or uh, you know, there's multiple programs that they had. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, AVID, ASB, book clubs, you know, reading, uh, even if you like taking pictures, they had all kind of programs that you can uh, put yourself in. And then you were engaged in a group that has a, had a common interest which created dialect and, and created uh, communication within the uh, kids, which helped them prosper and develop social behaviors. That's very, very helpful because as you know, I was not the star athlete. And so I'm very <laughs> willing to say that. And so, yeah, those having those extracurricular activities such as ASB student government um, I feel like I was able to kind of find my way in that. And that was, those were my strengths as opposed to sports. But I think this is also something that I appreciated about my dad is the fact that you were and still are involved with um, those extracurricular activities. So I think that that just speaks volumes to the person that you are. Um, and so like, I think that that's something that I still to this day wonder is like, 
what makes you, what continues to keep you going to give back to my high school, um, Hassan's high school um, and coach the way that you do? It's a, uh, I, I look at my life and uh, I try to tie it into the Bible. Uh, that 10% rule is you should be given 10% back uh, and, and that comes back around. Not that I do it for it to come back around, but it's part of our duty as, as American citizens and giving back to the younger uh, generation to uh, encourage them to do better. And so they can have a living example in front of them that they can put their hands on, touch, reach out to, and, and have some dialogue with. Not just, you can't get everything in the book, but sometimes you want to see the reality. And that's what I, I pride myself on and being there for young adults as they develop. And so I, I, I've kind of jumped ahead, but what, what do you do at Edwanda High School now, uh, my alma mater? How do you Co serve? I coach basketball. Um, JV, varsity, or all of the above? All of the above. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. That's helpful. Um, and so I think that we also, um, and, and some of these conversations that we've been having with parents, something that we've also wanted to kind of know is what was something that you wish that we would have had while we were in school um, for Hassan and myself, um, or just wanted for us to learn in a future school or, or students to learn in school in the future? Like what's something that you wish that we would have had? A, that's the first question. And secondly, what do you wish that kids will continue to learn in the future? Uh, finance. Uh, finance is very critical, important. I think it should be a subject. Uh, credit cards, uh, financial independence. Uh, not everyone needs to work for someone else. Building your own job, building your own niche, finding what, what's lacking in the community and, and doing those things. Not everybody's going to go to college. Uh, there has to be some trades uh, that people can get involved in. Uh, all of those things, I think it should be some kind of development and it should be some kind of course where kids can have that opportunity because everybody's not going to go to college. That's the reality. Some kind of trade so they can function and make an honest living and not under poverty. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you have any life experiences from the trade aspect of life? Absolutely. I did not attend college. <clears throat> I went to ITT Technical Institute. Uh, I did go there for one year. I did not commit to the three years that I was supposed to. I got pretty much drafted uh, after my first nine months at ITT. I scored high on uh, most of my tests. And the top three individuals got uh, asked to apply for McDonnell Douglas uh, aircraft uh, company. Uh, I took that. I was young. I should have continued on my school. But I took that and, and was making good money at that time. And at that point, it started developing my family and never went back. But that's something that I have to. Uh, my personal thing is I wish I would have continued on and finished. But life starts to catch up to you. So I applaud you for finishing 
your uh, BA and master and about to adapt yourself into a master program. So thank you. It makes me feel good as a father. Thank you. Thank you, Dev. Um, and I will say that I, I do, because we do have conversations about this a lot and a lot of these, um, the trade conversation is something that is starting to happen a lot more. Even with the organization that I work for, we have a, a whole entity that's a part of us um, called CityWorks. And the mindset there is that high school students will intern and that internship will become a full-time opportunity um, at whatever employment provider that they are at. And to me, I think that that's extremely helpful, but I also wonder in what ways we can have more programs like that starting at the high school level in the sense of like your freshman, sophomore year. So you can start exploring that because college is not, college shouldn't be the only way for you to be successful. It shouldn't be the only way that you can make a, an honest living. Um, it shouldn't be the only way that you can travel the world and see life the way that you want to see it or other people are seeing it. And so I'm, I, I truly do wonder how there will be other pathways kind of there to make sure that folks um, who don't want to go to college and don't want to be in debt um, can, can figure it out another way because it is possible. Um, and, and I think that that's something that we don't talk enough about. So I'm also curious to know what was, what kind of was or is the grading system that you liked for us while we were in school? And did you think that it truly reflect, reflected our potential? Um, and I specifically, I want you to think back to me and like the GATE program and trying to get me into that um, and starting with that. And then I'll probably ask you another follow-up question to that. Uh, I did not like is the traditional grading system. I do not like it. It does not reflect the true child. Uh, some people just don't do well on tests. Um, some people are, 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 some kids are a little uh, threatened by being put into a test environment. So I think there's ways to do a test without saying it's a test. And it's a way to test the individual uh, while they're having fun, get them in a relaxed state, then their brain, everybody's brain doesn't function the same way. Everybody learns differently. Everybody, some people might need to visually see it rather than reading a book. So those are all the challenges of the teaching to find out what's the best practice for this student. It's not a cookie cutter. We have to look at the kid and evaluate that kid as they develop from one grade to the next and develop a program that fits that kid. And of course, you're gonna have a lot of kids that fall into certain parameters, then you group them together. Now you have a classroom, but to mix kids just because of their age, I think it's a bad practice. Uh, it holds back the kid. It doesn't let the kid excel because some kids can be pushed. If they're in the sixth grade, they might can do eighth grade work. But we, as a, as a community, hold these kids back because we're so, I, I don't know the administration part of it, but I think we hold them back because we don't want to do, we don't want to get outside the box. I'll leave it at that. No, and that's very, very true. I think that we are very dependent on standardized assessments 
um, standardized objectives, standardized goals. And I think that it honestly is the way it prevents us from, from truly seeing how intellectually charged students are, especially given the academic trajectory that a lot of kids are on is like, they show up and they complete the task. And I think that this is what you were getting at is like, kids will do the best that they can given what they are being exposed to. So if they're yep. not exposed to more, um, then inherently they're not going to, to meet a higher bar. And that more doesn't have to be by way of uh, a standardized assessment and proficiency or, and, or it can be, but like the, the, the mode that you use to test them could exactly. also benefit them to make sure that they don't know that it's a test. And it is something that is a lot more fun and engaging and, to where they're not getting so uh, antsy over the fact that they have to sit down and take an assessment. Exactly. So it, kids, some kids have anxiety and some adults have anxiety. If you say the word test, <laughs> their, their parameters, their blockage go up automatically. So you hit it on the head. I think that's the thing we should be looking at in, in training our future kids. And so what, and I think that you kind of were getting at this and I, you probably already did answer it, but what, what do you think is a grading system that would work? Um, and it doesn't have to be something that's formal that exists present day, um, but that this is a question that we've been asking everyone because I think that people have had very insightful responses. Um, so like, what do you think is, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a grading system that would have worked for um, myself and Hassan, or just in general? Um, that's a tough question, but um, I would say um, the grading system, it, it's, it's, it's tough. It, it's sometimes you have to put it in a game setting so the kid is in a relaxed state. Um, to go and just give you a piece of paper and say, do this, answer these questions, it puts a kid in, in, in a disadvantage because they're not used to that setting or they brainwash themselves. So we have to change that behavior. And the way to change it is create games, having fun. You're asking the same question, but it's in a, in a game setting. Um, even if we have to plug up a PlayStation or, or whatever, I'm just giving a high level example, uh, maybe we just, they can have the same question, but it's in Xbox. You got to click ABC. <laughs> so any, any type of techniques like that, I think it should be tried because like I said, every kid can't just look at a piece of paper and take that test. And I'll give you a quick example. Uh, like you started at age uh, three in school and then we migrated out to uh, the Inland Empire, Fontana area, uh, they wanted you to learn the same thing that you already learned at three, at five-year-old first grade. And we challenged that and administration, you know, wanted to hold you back instead of letting you keep going because they tried to put that tag on social uh, inferior kids will be bigger and all of that. But we need to get out of those parameters. If the kid's brain is expanding faster don't hold him back. He, if he's two grades up, keep him at two grades up. Keep pushing him. He could, you could have finished in, in the, when you were 14, you could have finished. That way you could have been in college a year ahead 
I'm not saying two years, but you were actually two years ahead. And that's in the top area in one of the top schools in California. So that was, you know, troubling. But that's where it comes back on the parent. They have to question authority sometimes. Uh, but a lot of parents are stuck working two and three jobs. It makes it tough, but that's still not an excuse. Uh, I do want to say that it's still not an excuse, but parents have to parent. And that's part of you. It's not just about the teacher or administration. It starts at home. Yeah. Yeah. That level of accountability is amazing. And even hearing the story about like how y'all pushed to get me to go into a higher grade, it made me think about um, a conversation I had on Friday about these ninth graders who are being retained because they, A, they started school virtually, um, but B, they were already probably struggling in eighth grade. And so then they got to a new school and they don't know anyone. They started school virtually given the pandemic and they're just not progressing. And so they're, the, the teacher or the person I was working with, I was asking her, well, like how many conversations are you having with the student? And so we, we use this term of, like you were saying, the social inferiority. However, there's when students get to ninth grade and then they're held back anyways, when we could have been a lot more intentional in their early, more foundational um, years, we could have been getting them ahead. And so then that held back, that retention won't be as detrimental that's to that student's career. And it may not hurt their um, self-esteem nearly as much as it would given they are, they, they have to stay within this rigid model of education of progressing year by year and, and meeting the bar. And if you don't meet the bar, then you get held back, you get retained. But if you do meet the bar or if you're ahead of the bar, there's no opportunity for you to continue to show that you can continue to meet that next bar. So I completely agree with you. I, I did have something also. If a kid is not meeting the standards in the elementary and the middle school, it should be something in place, to your point, catch it there, but we should have something in place not to just pass them on. They should be automatically enrolled to summer school to get them up to par and focus in the areas where they're lacking. It shouldn't be asked if they want to go to summer school. It should be mandatory. You didn't acquire the right grades in this level so this is this summer you will be working on that. It yeah. shouldn't be acts. It should be mandatory. So that's one of the things that I, I really feel should change. We leave it up to the student to finish within the stated time. But if you don't, you're going to be challenged. You will do it this summer. It's not an axe. It's not asking the parent. It's not asking the student. You will do it. Yeah. And, and I do know that that was something that y'all pushed us to do. We were in summer school every year and I definitely, looking back, I appreciated it. Um, but definitely in the summer, I was like, oh goodness, when everyone else was not in school, that definitely was not fun. However, um, moving on to kind of the, the next question that I have for you is when thinking about a scale of from one to 10, with one being no support at all and 10 being uh, feeling the most supported, rate how you felt supported as a parent within our school community and try to provide like an explanation for why you felt this way. I would say a 10 plus. If it was 11 on the scale, I would say 11. The reason being is what I spoke about earlier. Uh, there's multiple programs. No kid is left behind. 
There's all kind of programs from A to Z that you can join to be involved in the school, be an eagle, be involved engagement. And also what I like, uh, there was an app uh, they, at that time it was school loop. We can see daily what you went on and what went on in the classroom, what homework is assigned, what's due the next day and what you scored on the test. I think that was huge where I didn't have to depend on my kid to come home and tell me what's expected. I knew before the kid got home and then I would gauge that on what you're telling me and challenge the kid. You know, um, so I, I really think that application and, and me seeing those things, that was part of my daily ritual to stay on top of things and, and be involved, not only with the kid, I would ask questions, you know, what problems did you have today with the kids or teachers? It didn't matter. I wanted to know what you were feeling so I can attack whatever issues or potential issues down the road because those small problems create bigger problems. It becomes a cancer. So I attack it head on. So it was a daily ritual or every other day asking those type of questions to get involved. If I wasn't involved, mama was involved. That's the beauty of having two parents, but everybody does not have two parents. But again, that's still not an excuse. It is a challenge to be a parent in these, in these days and these times, but it takes a village to raise a kid. We should not just depend on the mother and dad. It should be the next door neighbor down the street. All of us is a village that can enhance this child so he doesn't become a criminal. So he feels like he's in, in involved in the community, helping a lady across the street. I used to challenge you guys all the time. What deed did you, what good deed did you do today? Those are the kind of things that are important. It creates morals, it creates parameters. All of these things is self-development for that kid. It's not just about going to school and dropping them off and expect them to come back ready, ready for the world. It doesn't work. It takes a village. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that arguably I would say that that, would, that is probably the reason why you still are a part of Etiwanda and coaching and such is because of that aspect um, of development with making sure that kids aren't, because it, it, the majority of learning, I would argue and say that it happens outside of the school, um, just in the sense of real world and the, 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 the real world reality of it all. Um, and how you have to carry yourself. And there's just certain things that teachers just cannot teach um, because there are lived experiences that we all have collectively that we can make sure that we are passing on to students so that they're more aware and more conscious of how they should carry themselves or at least have a perspective on how you may have carried yourself. So that's extremely helpful. And then the, the last question that I have, and we always like to leave our, end our episode, given um, the season we've been focusing on the ideal school, is if you were to leave us with one word that would sum up the ideal school for your child, um, or if you're feeling creative, what would you name the ideal school for your child? Model of excellence. It's every day we, we strive to be, no one's perfect, but we strive to be excellent. And every encounter, every, every task that we try to do or we have to do, we try to do it to the best of our ability. Uh, so I would say model of excellence. 
That's helpful. That's good. I like that. Uh, we had, that was probably the most unique out of everyone's responses thus far. Uh, so thank you so much for that. And if you have, do you have any parting words before the words of wisdom before we uh, close out? Um, as teachers, you guys are, are a rare and ordained community. Uh, it takes a special person to do what you guys do. It's a thankless job, but the reward is great. These kids are going to remember you guys and going to cherish you guys uh, way down into their lives. I still remember some of my teachers. Uh, create an environment of inclusion. Uh, class size is important. Ratio of teacher to students. Uh, set up classes by the level of learning. Some kids get things quicker than, and can be pushed to exceed expectations, and some need the extra support or slower pace to grasp and understanding. That's how the classes should be developed, not just because I'm in the sixth grade, I built, put 34 kids in that class. It should not be that way. We should be looking at their test scores and all of that and building the class based on that. That puts them in the right pace. That way, that way everybody is on the same page and we're not hindering the kid that's three steps ahead or three check, three lessons ahead, we're not hindering that kid. So I think we need to look at that and build classes based on, unfortunately, test results um, to develop that, that class. And teacher-student ratio is important. I don't know what that number is, but back when I was going to school, it was one teacher to 24 kids. I think in today's time, I think we need to drop that one teacher to 12 kids. A, I completely agree. And B, I will say this for the educators that are listening right now, that I will tell you that it's about one to 32 right now. Um, and in the majority of charter schools, even with additional students, they're not getting compensated to uh, take care of those additional kids. But anyways, thank you so much, dad. Thank you so much, father, um, for all that you did when I was growing up and all that you continue to do important to me. Um, I would not be who I am without you and uh, would not be where I'm at today uh, without all of your love, support, and uh, mentoring. So thank you so much for coming on to The Reformist Pipeline. We appreciate you and happy Father's Day. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited that we were able to be able to talk to my father, uh, the Greg Broussard, about his childhood experiences and growing up in school and what his perception and his perspective is on what an ideal school is and what it looks like. And transparently, y'all, I must say that a lot of the things that I heard from him, was it was kind of like the first time that I had, I had even heard those stories um, about his beliefs as well as what growing up as a kid in uh in la what that looks like as well as his perception and his uh, and his views on how he believed that the schools that uh he selected for me either were valuable um and or could have been doing better and i think that it adds to the narrative around like parents really do be knowing they have some type of inherent intuition as to as to, to know like what their kid and what their child needs. And I just think that that's kind of been the, the theme of all of these ideal school episodes is the fact that parents, in addition to parents knowing, I think that we should be doing more to make sure that 
people are kind of let in on what it takes for a school to be successful, um, as well as just ensuring that people have the resources that they need to, to make sure the school is meeting, their, meeting the student where they're at. Um, and, and so with that, I'm excited to be passing the mic over to the, my amazing co-host in which she's going to interview her dad and talk through what an ideal school is with him. Lindsay? Okay, dad, now you can go ahead and introduce yourself, what you were about to say. Well, first, my name is Lindsay Black. I would tell you my, 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 my age, but <laughs> I can't, can't get that much. <laughs> but as for your first question, I, I'm a proud father of his, hers, and mine, mm -hmm. which has up to five kids. His, hers, and mine, I was out of the five kids. <laughs> And I have four beautiful grandkids. Mm -hmm. Wow, you do have four. You, wow, you up there, Rich. Yeah. And <laughs> quiet as a kept, I got, you know, might have one more coming. Okay, yeah, quiet as it's kept. Let's keep that. <laughs> okay, so the first question, Daddy. Mm. As a parent, and you can speak from all five experiences and even if you wanted to speak from like the grandparent experience actually you'd be you're actually the first person that's a grandparent that we've interviewed mm -hmm. too um how involved are you now or were you with your child's education journey well i, I was very involved <laughs> you know on the sideline to a certain extent um most of my kids went to the Palo Alto School District, you know. Uh, my uh, second oldest daughter went to the Palo Alto School District, graduated and went on to Howard. Ooh, that's graduated, from, graduated from Howard and ended up being a teacher. So my, 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 uh, then I met my 12 year old son this is the next, my next adventure. Mm -hmm. Make sure I stay with him as long as I can and keep him motivated into going to school. Mm -hmm. This year was a fight. <laughs> I'm sure. 2020 was a fight. So after the pandemic and everything going on computers mm -hmm. and, and you know you know what I'm saying, boys catch on slow. Mm -hmm. It's a true statement. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Okay, I have a question because I don't think I've ever asked you this. I'm, I'm curious, how did, I know we were in the Tinsley program and then for the listeners that don't know, um, it was like a busing program that allowed people from, for underserved neighborhood East Palo Alto to be able to be bused into the more affluent schools in Palo Alto. How did you, how did you get to choose? Because I know Trina got into Palo Unified School District first. How did you choose or what was that process like? Or like, did you get to say what school she was going to or what? The product, Trina was my oldest daughter. Mm -hmm. She was able to get to the Tinsley program because her mother drove the bus for part of the school district. Yes. Mm -hmm. Basically. And then after that, uh, each child can repeat the same process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. You're it's right. Time to still go. Cause and then, yeah, and then after, and then we broke up because you two went to Stockton for whatever you call it. Mm -hmm. we had to yeah. come back. That's when I started driving to school. 
Yes, that makes sense. Okay, because Trina went to it's crazy though, because we all went to we all went to Hoover. <laughs> I just thought about that. All ended up going through the same elementary school. Um, so what's one thing that you've appreciated about your child's school? And if you you could also think about it like what positive experiences do you remember? Well, for one thing, um, My only, my real positive experience with them was graduation. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I will never forget. Mm-hmm. You know, and then and then uh, you had some more positive. They had some more positive because the schools are what they say. Mm-hmm. Up there, <laughs> mm-hmm. up there, uh, educational wise. Yeah, uh, teacher wise. Mm-hmm. They're, they're upgraded teachers, let me say, to a certain extent. So, yeah, yeah, compared to compared to Ravenswood District at that particular time. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's my big, big experience. And now, um, I got Marquise over there. He went to Hoover. Mm-hmm. He was picked to go, he was picked to go to Hoover. Hmm. Now he's in JLS. JLS, boy. Everybody was JLS. Right. I'm with the JLS. <laughs> you, Najee, Marquis. Yeah. Yeah. I don't Trina to go to JLS. Yeah, yeah, Trina went to Jordan, right? Yeah. I used to get her out of trouble all the time. <laughs> day one. What trouble did she get in day one? Trina fought on the bus. First first day of school. Oh, okay, got you. Yep, I can see that. <laughs> She fought on the bus for this school. Uh, going back to when she was um, elementary school girl, you just don't know. But we ain't got to go into that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, in, in regards to stuff like that, because, you know, Trina's obviously a fighter. Um, I've talked about Savion on the podcast before. Savion, lots of words to describe him. Think he just a little rambunctious. In terms of like, discipline with them and like did you think that the school like fairly consequenced them do you think that there were like ways that they could have been consequenced in a way that was like helpful for their growth what do you think your experience was with that with, with him with him or trina and i yeah you, you can also just speak to both too well trina they they, they gave trina the boot mm. they mm. kicked her out because she was fighting pally and that was it. Mm, okay. Then they kicked her out and she went to karma. Okay, that's how she ended up at karma. Yeah, as for Savion, I think they did pretty good to, with him to a certain extent. Um, he got to the age where he just wouldn't listen, period. <laughs> and that's the truth. Like he, wouldn't, he, he stopped listening to me. I scared him. I scared him a couple times. I, walked, I went up to the school several times. Uh huh. Yeah, scared of death out of him. When he come in this class, uh, oh, he late, huh? He looked at me like, <laughs> Ooh, surprise. Yeah, out of grandpa's backpack. Mm-hmm. Then I scared his teachers. Mm-hmm. And then they tried to scare me by putting the uh, CPS on me. You know what, Dad? I was just thinking about that the other day because I remember we were at, it was at Pally, and you had came up, you did something to Savion. Whatever it was, he deserved it. 
And they tried to call me in, call me out of math class. I'm walking in the office and I'm sitting here like, y'all want me to tell on my dad? <laughs> what are you talking about? And I left. Shanyan did the same thing. Right. But, but the whole time, I ain't laid a glove on the dude. You didn't do anything, right? That's what, and like going back to what you just said, it scared the teachers we, again because we yeah. went to a school with predominantly white people. They don't understand. They don't understand black families yeah. or black fathers. But the CPS lady who called me mm-hmm. was 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 a Latino lady. Hmm. Okay, I don't forget her name, but she had a few sons, right? And she was talking to me, and I was told her, I told her, and I got to go up there every day to help my son finish up what he's supposed to finish up and stay out of the system, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Guess what she told me? What'd she say? Just say off the record, I don't blame you. I, don't I got boys myself. Mm-hmm. She said, but don't, just don't scare those people. Mm-hmm. Just don't scare those people. I didn't mean to scam that time. I just, you know. Right. I, I won't say me understand. He had a free... He had the same opportunity that you had. Yeah. You know, he, he ain't no dumber than you and no smarter than you. He not. He, he posted some on Instagram the other day. You know, he be preaching. He's like, oh, let me stop before people think, you know, I'm smart. Because people really think that he's dumb. And he's not. <laughs> he just... And that's the character he wanted to play. Right. He's not dumb, though. No, I know. Very intelligent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he, he ain't doing his math for his homework. Mm-hmm. But he helped, he helped Najee do her math at Mill Peters. Mm-hmm. But he wouldn't do his. Yeah. I, yeah. I, what kind of sense did that make? I don't understand it. But it's done right now. It's done. What's done is done. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, of learning, um, what do you what's something that you wish? either like Marquise was learning in school right now, or you wish that um, we learned in school? Well, my uh, basically, I wish I wish they had Marquise and them and you guys too, in some kind of black history. Mm-hmm. My thing is, they can go, like Marquise right now, sixth grade or fifth grade, he doing algebra and all those extra stuff. I never got algebra until I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my, I think they should teach you guys uh, open up and teach you a little of black history. They're not gonna they're not gonna go deep in detail. They're probably gonna go five people that they know of, that we know of. Yeah. Martin Luther King, Harriet Tubman, Frederick Douglass, and, and Rosa Parks. Yeah, and barely Frederick Douglass. I'm surprised yeah, you said that one. How, that's how deep they're gonna go in this area of black history. No deeper than that. They're not gonna go deeper than that, five people. Mm-hmm. But as they as they go up in high school, they should increase their black history. Program. Yes, yes. That's, you know, instead of everybody learning us, you know, when we get to college or we gotta go to black owned schools or whatever to get the yeah to get thoroughly taught on mm-hmm. our history. That's so, what so my question for you then, because you know, we talking about Palta Unified School District, right? Which is teachers and the people are predominantly not black what do you think that would look like like if you had to and like really be innovative and think about what would it look like for them to teach black history or to, to honor it at the very least it or maybe 
it'll look hard. <laughs> period. You right. Hard, but at the same time, they can bring in a they don't have to they dominate white. They can bring in a black man or a black woman and teachers that that's good. They True. bring in they bring in special teachers anyway. True. True. You know, pay somebody to teach black history. Because you're gonna you pay somebody to do this, you pay the teacher to do that. It's just that simple. They got their money. You know what? I was just about to say that too. I was just about to say that because you even look at Pally, like I'll tell people, explain to people like, yeah, we had like an Olympic sized pool and we have two gyms and they just remodeled it. And we have a lacrosse field and we have a, a football field. We got all this stuff, all this money. So they could just allocate it to a different place. Well, you in a, in a different lot of things is Pally, I'm, I'm Palo Alto School District right now, only have two high schools. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have resources mm-hmm. when you only have two high schools. And you know, of these areas got two or three. Yeah, you know, especially like being on this side, thinking about like the New York school district. Like all the schools in New York are under the same school district, you know, and like it's really a luxury in an uh, to be in a school district with only two high schools. So they really should be able to to do more. For sure. Yeah. So thinking about Black history would be absolutely great. Think of switching gears a little bit, thinking about grades. What is the grading system like for Marquise? Do you think like, because he's in school now, do you think it's different from the grading system that everybody else had? And do you think that Marquise's grades or any of our grades reflected our actual potential? Oh. Um, well, I think it's I think Marquise has been different graded. Hmm. He did, now they just he just switched to have being letter graded. Oh, to not being letter graded? No, to being letter graded, he just switched to being oh, they didn't have letter grades before. No, I don't. They had different letters. Yeah, they had P's and I's. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I got you. Like that, they didn't have A's, B's, and C's to a certain extent. Okay. When they sent his progress report out, got which it. Which is twenty pages. So okay, so now he has letters. Do you think that this is kind of hard though? I feel like this year would be kind of hard just because it, it was electronic and remote. But generally, do you feel like our grades reflected our actual potential? No. Can you speak more to that? Why not? And what made you think that? Because I don't think I, I'm. I truly don't think all you guys uh, was doing your full potential. Mm. That's my thing. You'll drag mean, us. You know, you might have been trying to do all your full potential, but when you get, just say like Savion, mm-hmm. you know, it was math. How mm-hmm. could you go to full potential when you're doing somebody else's math? And your grades look like shit. Mm-hmm. Things English. You can't go to full potential if you're not participating. Yeah, you know? that's very true. But uh, as for Marquise, uh, 2020 was hard. And pandemic stuff was just a mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wasn't turning in his work. He did it, but he wasn't turning it in. Instead of it's it's on the computer right now. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's fairly simple. I, you know, you know, I experienced the same thing, but actually it wasn't the same thing because kids just wasn't doing the work. 
So I, I have told that. Him, uh, I told him last night he going back to his right to he going back to when he was in the fifth grade, full mm-hmm. school. Similar. Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. think about nothing. We'll put this behind us. Bus, homework, everything. Going back to right, right in front of the teacher. Probably mm-hmm. in, a, in a unbalanced class because they probably have too many students in one class. They it's, always do. Yeah, so you know it's unbalanced. So it's going to be better for him to look eye to eye with the teacher. I think he had a better when they started back going to have school days. Mm-hmm. I think he had a better. Um, he opened up. You know, so he opened up, and but they we on they only did it a couple of weeks or so. But at the same time, I can see the change mm. in being up here on the computer for down to three hundred sixty five days. Mm, okay, so you because I never I haven't actually we haven't had a lot of kids that were actually in the building, right? Even though they had the option, and then I never haven't talked to parents about it. So you say that it was much better that they opened up, even if it was just for a little bit of time. I think so. For my okay. son, yes. I can't talk about, you know, for everybody else's son. Mm-hmm. Marquis came home with a better attitude. You know, he, he actually had a smile on his face every once in a while. Mm, okay. But when he sat up in here with front of his computer, at the old saying, it was like pulling teeth. Getting him out of bed, you know, he'd get up right at nine o'clock and he'd be, you know, still got sleep on his, on his breath. <laughs> not sleep on his breath. <laughs> 30 minutes and we get him up. We always get him up or try to get him up early to go use the bathroom, prepare himself. Mm-hmm, routine. Yeah, you know. But he, mm, I mean, I, me and him got plenty of arguments over that. <laughs> well, I'm glad his attitude switched up. That's important because that, they're just the mental health and like being around people, being in routine. Um, I know it's going to do wonders for him. When they go, are they all the way? They're gonna be a hundred percent next year, like hundred percent in person every day. They haven't given the uh, full rundown. Of course not. I know it's gonna be four days a week, at least four days. Okay. One day at the house. Okay. And four days at the, at, the, at the school. Okay, that'll be good. So, would you say? And thinking about thinking about. Ev- all of all of us, right? Five of us. Everybody has completely different experiences because we are all totally different people. Mm. Do you? How would you rate your support? Like how you felt supported as a parent with all these different kids and different learning styles and personalities? How would you rate um, the support you felt from the schools from a one to ten? Well. Hmm. Five, six. Okay. More or less, you know. And then it actually, not just the school, it actually depends on the teacher. Hmm. It actually depends on the teacher. Because when you got to go in there and and, and keep fretting these principals who don't know a damn thing about about your kid. Because he just came in. Say that again. He didn't know nothing about my son. My son didn't. Didn't even like him. Period. Mm. So Marquise had a couple good counselors who stuck in there with him. Okay. Uh, all you guys had Miss Benson. We did have Miss Benson. You know, I still tell people that was my favorite teacher, my third grade teacher. Mrs. Benson left because she, she went for yeah. When she left, 
Hoover and went to uh what she, went to? she went to Juana Briones, y'all first school. Mm -hmm. Uh lot of shit changed over there at Hoover. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I can tell the kids wasn't the same, let me tell it. Nope. I'm sure they weren't. When, when she was there, you could get on walk on campus and feel the campus. Mm-hmm. Donna walked on campus a couple of times years and, and felt the uh Felt ignored. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Felt like we basically this, this is what we felt. I felt like that dude was just dicking us around. Just mm -hmm. simple as that. You know? Yeah. Then he go around the corner and go chat about us like a little girl. Mm -hmm. You know? So. And his name was, uh, I'm going to put that on broadcast. His name is Sherman. Sherman, Sherman. Mm -hmm. Okay, we call people out here. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? It's just in knowing, like, because Ms. Bimson was all of our teachers and then Marquise's principal. And just for, for the record, for the people that are listening, my oldest sister's in her 30s and my youngest brother, Marquise, is 12. So Ms. Bimson was like, no, knew the culture. She, like, grew with Hoover. So to have that experience and then... Yeah. This it's random a, man comes in and it's just not can't equate. It's a pleasure to have three hundred kids on, in the, in the school, and your principal know everybody's name. Yeah, it's important. Kindergarten all the way to fifth grade, you don't get that. I haven't seen that out of a the principals I have. No, I haven't seen it. I haven't. Um, and that's, I, that's and that that to me that's a an extra comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She did everybody. She knew the bad kids. She knew the brainy kids. She knew the black kids. She knew the kids that eat boogers. <laughs> All right, Dad. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> you were crazy. I mean, it's true, though. Okay. okay. So then this is my last question. What? Yeah. See, I told I told you the time be going by. <laughs> It's all good. Um, and of course, you're welcome to state any any more that you have. But I want you to leave us with one word or or phrase. If you're feeling creative, you could actually you know create a name for your ideal school for your child. Like, what would that the one word that represents the best school built solely for your the betterment of your child? Or if you feel creative enough to come up with a name right off the bat. Do that well, too. Uh, basically, I, I couldn't give you a name off the back, mm -hmm. to be honest with you, but I can give you the uh, the interest interesting areas that I would love him him to black. Okay. That's basically, you know, what I'm saying, uh, living through you, the few years you was with Howard was an experience for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was a, it was a, I mean, I said a turning point towards UCLA, then Spelman and da 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 da. Because black colleges, to my knowledge, they 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 grab the kids, especially the ones that wants to be grabbed, mm -hmm. and hug them, and get them to where they know they need to be, mm -hmm. and push them more than I think they get pushed. Some kids will get pushed. Some black kids get pushed by, by, by like I say, UCLA because you're always gonna get a couple of teachers who like you. Uh huh. No matter what? 
you always gonna get a couple of teachers who know you can do better, you know. But at the same time, I, I would love my kids to uh, think about going to a black college if he if he can, you know. That's in his in his scope. But then uh, then on the other side, I'm gonna back him up much as I can on any scope. Yeah, for that sure. Guy, you know, he wants yeah. to go to college if he don't go to college. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As much as I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna keep him strong and keep him a black man and, and try to keep him understanding what you need to do as a black man. Mm -hmm. You know, we would know no offense, I hate to fall back. We categorize something different. Yeah. You, years something different. I'm just trying to keep my kids focused to a certain extent. Go get what you need to get. Go get all the education they're giving you. You know what I'm saying? And then you can choose what you want to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know it, that's on you. There's yes. a, whole bunch, a whole bunch of black folks around around here on some type of education is laying on a bench. Yeah, yeah. I got a big jacket on the, on the cold weather when it rains. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the choices they made. Mm -hmm. But between me and me and his mama, Marquis gonna try. He's gonna make choices surrounds good choices. Yep. That's what she. Dad, you don't you didn't already said shit, first of all, and it's yeah. okay. I curse we curse on here. <laughs> yeah, yes, you did. I'm sorry to mean to curse like that, but <laughs> my keys, that's just that's the kind of knowledge and stuff we're gonna try embedding him. Mm -hmm. Hmm? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you know, you we got to we gotta have a few of our uh siblings or, or my kids or lead and follow you. Behind you, somebody got to follow behind you. Yeah, for sure. Somebody got to follow behind you, though. Know. Miss Girl, you should love. That's all she used to say. She's going out. Mm -hmm. That's all she used to say. But she, now we don't know what the hell. I, I don't know what the hell her mind at right now. I, I really don't. Yeah. I know, I know she's a teenager, just rough, you know, but. Yeah. Her, you know, it's, so I don't. She's going to be okay. JoJo is in a good, good place. Mm -hmm. He wants to go to uh, a double, a double one school. Mm -hmm. You know, he but I told him to go to D two. I would give a damn what school you go to. Go get that education. If yeah. they give, if they give you a free ride, go get that ride. Mm -hmm. Get that education while you've been there. You yep. know, D one, D two, D three. They go and you playing your ball like you should be playing. You are gonna get the opportunity to go to the pros. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But. You need to capture the little bit of education they will give you. Period. Yeah. And that's an important message to keep driving, honestly. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, if you like, like Savion, Texas Tech, what Savion to come to Texas Tech? If they're mm. going to play you, if they're going to want you to come to school, they're going to make sure you pass. They're going to give you all the two. Hello, we can look at Devontae oh, Adams because Devontae oh, did not meet the A through G requirements to go to Fresno State. He did not. Oh, and my man's is balling right now. <laughs> yeah, out of control. But I'm just saying they, they, they'll they make sure. Yeah, for sure. They will. They will. Mm -hmm. So. Well, well, thank you, Daddy. You're welcome. This week's call to action has a couple of parts, so please listen carefully. So, boom. One, we are having a live show in D.C. This is not a drill. This is not a drill. We got to learn how to do sound effects, Shahad, so that we can put that in there. 
Yes. But anyways, that's for next. That's for next season, maybe. We are in the midst of finalizing plans, but please be ready to receive more info for our live show that will be in August. Two. We need y'all's feedback and suggestions. Was there a topic you wanted to hear more of? Do you have some people in mind that we should be interviewing? We have a survey that will be dropped in the description and you can always find it in our link tree via the Instagram page. And lastly, spread the word, y'all. Tell a friend, tell a teacher friend to use us as a resource. Tell them to follow us on Instagram, listen to an episode or two where everyone listens to podcasts, including YouTube. And if you haven't yet, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Reformist Pipeline. We will still be posting and give you content via social media during our small little break. And with that, advocates, we appreciate your continued support, the time you spend listening, and your willingness to be on this journey through the pipeline. Thank you so much. And please remember that our love is in abundance and we have so much love for each and every one of you. Stay hydrated, stay nourished, and stay safe out in these streets. Peace, love, and light. Hootie hoo!